Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the Author Incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey everybody! Welcome to Book Journeys Radio. We've been we've had a couple weeks off for the summer, and um, it's been an exciting time for me. But it is nice to get back to the show after a couple weeks off, and we've got a fun guest here. This is, I think it's going to be a really um, helpful discussion today. Maxina Tong, who is the author of Change or Die the Business Process Improvement Manual is here to talk to us. And she um, she's a, a Gestalt Organized Developmental Practitioner. She's a certified professional facilitator, an evidence-based coach, and a certified management accountant. So um, I think this is a really good example. A lot of the books we talk about are kind of some of the more of the softer, more personal growth style books. And I think with Change or Die, we're going to have a good chance to talk about a solid business book. Um, Maxine Atong, her uh, website is also Maxine Atong, uh, which is spelled A-T-T-O-N-G. Um, Maxine, thanks for being with us. Hmm. Angela, thanks so much for having me today. Well, first of all, to, to kick us off, tell us about Change or Die. What is your book about? Change or Die is about changing processes in the organization. And it's not just about the process. It, it really shows people how to do this from the beginning of selecting which process needs to be improved to the end with implementation. What is different about Change or Die is that it really focuses on the human resources within the company because nothing happens in an organization, my belief, unless people are really committed. So it speaks about... Clean um, the organization, how do you work them through the change that is inherent with it? It shows how business process improvement is linked to the strategy of the organization, whether it is to reduce costs or to improve productivity. And it really deals with holding or empowering people to be creative in owning the processes and uh, pushing them to completion. So I see on, on your website on MaxinaTong.com, you say, we believe that all humans are creative, all humans are intelligent, and all humans want to make a positive difference. How does that kind of underpinning belief system influence your work and how you do what you do? Well, as a, in terms of the process improvement, most organizations, when they want to improve processes, they call in these expensive consultants consultants come in, they do all their fancy stuff, and usually they help or they may not help in implementation. I believe that while consultants have a place in the organization, the people who should really be developing the processes are the people who work in the organization. Every member of staff that you've hired went through a selection process, and you selected what you thought were the best people for your organization in that job. What would, be, what would it be like if we could find a way every day to unleash the creativity of these people and harness their potential 
to, uh, to let them solve the problems of the organization, to let them come up with the best way to look at the processes, the best way to resign, redesign processes, because at the end of the day, they're the people who own the processes. So that's what, that, and that's what really Change or Die is about. It is really about saying, inside your organization, you have all the intelligence, there's all the creativity to solve whatever problems you're having with your process. As leaders, what we need to do is um, empower our people and get out of their way so they can actually do that. So how did you come to write this book? My suspicion is, based on what you said, that you've actually been consulting for some time, that you've been working in this space for some time. Uh, how, how did you decide to turn, uh, turn this into a book? Well, two things. One, I always wanted to write. I mean, one of my dreams as a kid was to have a published book. So that, that, that's a dream that came true for me right in this, during that process. And two, um, I was always interested in business process improvement as a field, and I've read many, many books in it. And I thought that though there are great books on the topic out there, a lot of them left me as a practitioner um, really wondering how do I do this. So I wanted to write a book on something that I felt very passionate about, and I wanted to share the information I've learned as a facilitator and as a coach in terms of how to guide people through decision-making processes. And I wanted to take all of that and really give someone a manual that can say, your team can do this, your team can improve processes, your team has all the intelligence to do so. So for me, it's a combination of a dream, a combination of furthering up my work of working with people and empowering people and definitely contributing something to a field in which I'm very interested in. So I'm guessing while you were in the process of writing your book, you weren't able to put your business entirely on hold, and you had to write while also working. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you scheduled time to write and what your writing process was like? My, as you said, I, I worked, when I was writing that book, I was working as an accountant for an, uh, an oil company. And I worked a 40-hour-plus week, and I'd go to work every day. So what I would do is when I returned home at 5 in the evening, I would rest, and then I would start writing from maybe 6 in the evening until maybe 10. And I would do that every single day. And on weekends, I'll do a little bit more. One of the things that I, when I, when I felt burnt out, one of the things that I was advised to do is just take a complete day off. So Sundays became my total rest day. So I would work mm. six, hours, six, days, six days of the week, I'd work assiduously on the book, and then on Sundays I'd completely do nothing. And that really helped because, you know, we've learned to, that we always have to keep going when we need to achieve a goal. But I can tell anybody there is beauty in rest, and rest is really part of the creativity process. We need something hmm. to step away and take a look at the big picture again, refocus, and then re-enter. It really, it really re-energized me every Monday to go to work and come home joyfully and complete my book. And how did you have a, a set amount of time that you would write, or if you didn't feel, you know, if you didn't feel one day like writing, would you give yourself? another day off in addition to your scheduled day off, or if it was your time to write, you sat down and wrote no matter what? Yes. One thing that I learned is that every day that I said I needed to show up, I needed to show up. So if, hmm. I, if I showed up, so every day that I said from Monday to Saturday that I said I was going to write, I showed up in front of my, my laptop and I wrote. Some days I'd start a chapter and then I wouldn't feel it anymore. So I'd go on and write a new chapter. 
You know, so I, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily have a sequence of chapter and chapter, but I stayed the course and I stayed in the moment of writing and I wrote every time I said I needed to write. It, it was part of building a habit because all the writing I'd done before was, was playful writing, but it was really about saying I need to finish this product and this is what I'm going to do. And I, I did have some tricks along the way, like I'd put the book cover up on the fridge. You know, I, I made a design of a book cover, and I said, so every time I went to the fridge, I'd see it. So I knew I had to keep writing, keep plugging to achieve this vision that was very tangible in front of me. So I love this tip. I'm going to share this with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Before you actually finish your book, or maybe even before you started your book, you had a book cover created. So you didn't have a publisher at this point. You didn't have a book, but you you had a book cover. So can you talk about how you did that and why you did that? Yes. So I, I spoke, I have, I have a very good friend in, in Phoenix. I mean, she, she's a really wonderful person, Connie Kadansky. And, uh, you know, she's worked with me whenever I have a problem. I just call her up and say, you know, I need some time, and she'll give me some time. And one of the things speaking to her I realized is that, you know, the, the power of the visual. And so I decided to create a visual for my book. Um, I, put it, I put it up. It was the name of the book then was the Business Process Improvement um, probably book or something. It wasn't even a complete title. And on the book cover it was a team jumping up. And at the, the words at the bottom were, finally, someone has revealed all the secrets of business process improvement. So it looked nothing like what the current book cover looked like, but it was very, so I placed that on top of my fridge. So every morning having coffee, I would see this team of people leaping up because I wrote this book, and I put my name below it, and I put all kind of things around it. You know, it sold so many million of copies, and it's translated in so many languages. All these dreams, I just put all these dreams on this piece of paper, stuck it up on the fridge, and it was just a great impetus for me to keep going. So whenever I felt like, oh, maybe it's not making sense, or other people will say, oh, you still write in that book, I'd go like, you know what? That's what I want to do, you know. That's why I'm doing it. Because when people read this book, they're going to be leaping and saying, finally. It's wow. It's a very good pull tool, yeah. I think that's fantastic. One of the challenges a lot of my clients face when they're starting a book is as they start the process of writing the book, they'll get ideas for other books. And sometimes they're in totally different genres. So I have an idea for a children's book now. I have an idea for a romance novel I want to write. Um, or maybe it's another project. You know, I want to start another business, or I want to, you know, do a, be the PTA president for my kid's school. And all these different interruptions start to come up almost right when they make the commitment to writing their book. So as other opportunities came up for you or thoughts came up for you, what were some of the ways that you stay focused on that original goal? One of the things that I've learned is that when we start doing something and it's something good, then it attracts other great things to us. So when we start writing our book and we know it's good and we're focused on it, then we get all sorts of wonderful ideas and people come out of the woods and say, you know, you're the best thing and, and you start being tugged in many directions. I really, I'm, I, can't, I, I no longer subscribe to this thought of multitasking. I think I must be singular and focused for me to achieve a goal. So whenever I get ideas for other books, I park them. So I just recently completed my second book, 
which is about which is which builds on some of the human resources themes in the first book. And while I was writing that, I have like two other books that came to mind. But what I did is I just jotted down some notes around these other books, got them out of my head, unpacked them, and continued writing my book. And everybody else who came and said, you know, I think you should do this, you should do that, I said no. You know, as I keep saying, drugs is not the only thing we should say no to. Sometimes we need to say things that are not in terms of the opportunity we're working on. <laughs> and this, uh, the new writer's mantra, drugs are not the only thing you should say no to. Very nice. Well, let's shift topics a little and let's talk about the process of publishing. When you started writing your book, when you came up with the idea for writing your book, did you know then how you wanted to publish your book? No, I had I had I have I had zero knowledge of of publishing then and I probably have 5% more knowledge now than I had then. So what I did is I went on Wikipedia and I got a list of all the publishing houses and all the types of books that each it gives you a list, complete list of all the publishing houses. Some of them are defunct and it gives you a list it gives you for each publisher the type of book that they actually publish. So I sifted through this information and I identified maybe five publishers who I thought would be interested in my book. And I the, and they just so happen to be ones who actually, when you go on the net, when you go on their website, they actually do receive, they actually do take manuscripts. And I followed their process, submitted the proposal, their proposals form, and I got a yes from CRC Press. <coughs> so it was pretty, pretty not a spectacular story. It was just one of just doing the research and, following what they said. But that is pretty spectacular. I mean, so many people uh, don't find a traditional publisher, uh, and certainly not that way. There's lots of people who have spent lots of money, you know, taking classes and lots of time trying to get an agent, and um, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing that you found a publisher that was a fit in your, you know, in your first round of, of uh, queries uh, or Thanks. proposals. Did you do a full proposal, or was it really just a query letter? Yeah, it, it, it was a proposal. On most of the websites, I, um, most of the websites, they have a proposal form that you follow. It's, it's pretty structured, um, just about 13 questions or so. They ask you for your bio. They ask you, what is your book about? What is different about your book? What is really important for the publisher is your networks. You know, what associations do you belong to? Where do you, who are the people who are going to buy your book? Because I guess they're making this investment. So they want to know what of yours they can tap into for the exchange of publishing your book. Yeah, so that's, that, I mean, it, it, um, I'm really grateful that it happened, and it happened relatively painlessly, so yeah. Yeah, that's it's amazing. And so what are some of the... Um, what are some of the terms with working with your particular publisher? Because it's an academic press. Yes, it, it, that um, yeah, the book falls into the academic the academic section of of the work that they do. They they are sub sub company of Francis and Taylor. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, when I when I sent in the proposal, one thing I also did which I think made a difference, is I, I scanned all their editors and looked for a part, the person who would be interested in the type of book that I wrote. So the person who I contacted 
she was actually interested in business process improvements in the health sector, whereas nobody else on that on in their editors, nobody else was really interested in business process improvement at all. So I kind of pitched the book to her and sent my proposals to her, and I think that also helped. Yeah, I mean, that's great. One of the suggestions that I give people is finding books that are like yours or on similar topics and looking at who in the acknowledgments was thanked as the editor. So you're targeting that specific person at the publishing house. And you decided uh, out of, you know, maybe it was out of ignorance, but you didn't go through an agent. And I'm wondering, was that a conscious decision or did you just, you know, not know that step and so you saved yourself 15% or, or how, how did you decide not to use an agent? I think it's, it's pure ignorance. Uh, you know, it's pure ignorance. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss. And I think I'm mm-hmm. totally ignorant about the process. I mean, with my second book, I've been toying with the idea of finding an agent, looking at publicity, and it's very, very expensive. And the agents, it, it seems that, you know, an agent doesn't really accept everybody and anybody. So it's a pretty right. tough. It's a pretty tough decision, you know. So I I don't know enough about that world, and even with my second book, I've stayed away from that world because I don't think I'm really ready to enter that forum. I I think that's a that's a great story of just you know being clear on who you were and who you wanted, uh, you know how you wanted your book to manifest, and just the right people surrounding you. So with your book, did you need to make a, a minimum book purchase? Was there, were there certain fees that you were responsible for? Um, were there any investments that you had to make specifically for your book publishing? Actually, no. With the, with the traditional publishing house, I did nothing. I submitted the manual. They made some editorial changes. There was a little bit of back and forth, and that was it. You know, I... I Spent nothing, and I have actually received some royalty checks. It means that they actually sold something. So that was Yay. pretty cool. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Let's talk about how you've promoted the book. What sorts of things have you done uh, to help spread the word about this book? And then I know you have another book coming out. Any plans you have for promoting that? So my first book, I did very little promotion other than a Facebook page, which probably got like 721 likes, not a lot. But I really pushed that book through my networks. So all my professional networks, um, I got somebody from my accountant world to review it. I got a few other people for like local magazines and some, some foreign magazines as well to actually like mention the book or plug the book. But I think that book, because of where it resides in terms of strategy and people who are really interested in um, in quality management, it resides in a particularly good sweet spot, I should say, for people who are interested in it. So, for instance, I saw on the net the other day that the um, American Society of Quality in Minneapolis, they actually donated some copies of the book to the Minneapolis Public Library, and that had nothing mm. to do with me. So I think the book has wow. found it. Yeah, it's it found its it found its people, and it's found its fans. So for that book, I, I just think that I just really released it and said, you know, wherever it finds its home, it will be fine. With my hmm. second book, 
I've, you know, because I've, I've also seen that, you know, maybe I needed to be a little bit more marketing savvy. So for my second book, um, what I'm doing is that book will be out on September 30th. name of the book is Lead Your Team to Win. I'm doing a little bit more promotion. I'm really trying to do something a little bit differently. I tried working with a publicity house, but a publicist is extremely expensive. So that cost was prohibitive for my, for my pocket and for my model of how I wanted my book to land and find its way to its right people. So what I'm doing is I'm being a little bit more savvy. I'm going to have a virtual launch on the, 30th of, on the 3rd of October and have a webinar with some other colleagues in the field, you know, discussing the book, them asking me questions, them seeing what they liked or didn't like about the book. And I've actually gotten a little leap start on doing some um, blog tours I'm working with a smaller publicist. Um, her name is Laura Orsini, and we're doing a blog tour, um, inviting other reviewers to review the book for their communities, whether they're on Goodreads or on Amazon and stuff like that. So doing a little bit more with this book, but still not up at a level which says, you know, pay a publicity house to do some wonderful publicity for me. I just, I just don't have the cash to do that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that becoming an author was a dream that you've had since you were a little girl. And I'm wondering what it's like, what's the what's the before and after for you having made that dream come true? How how has being an author um, you know, changed things for you either internally or externally? Well, it's all been internal. <laughs> The external changes would be, you know, it, it really is fantastic for me externally when people come to me and say, you know, I read your book, I bought your book for my daughter, I gave it to my boss, you know, what, is, what would it be like if everybody read your book? You know, so that, I love that. that. That's very, um, that's a lot of validation. But for me internally, it just says, you know, nothing is impossible. Um, I can write more books. And, you know, it's like just so I can tell other people when they feel stuck or this is not what I wanted to do with my life, that, you know, it's not over yet and that you can still do what you wanted to do. And I've been, I've been working with women, some, um, doing some, some courses with women, get for women. And it always comes up in these classes, you know, that, that we feel stuck, we feel that we can't do what we want to do. Usually we have family and other commitments. And just teaching people, you know, just to do one thing for yourself once a week, you know, it creates so much more room for you to do more for yourself more times a week. So that's how I feel with my book. I feel having achieved a dream, I can now achieve more dreams. I can now create more space for more dreams to come up and just continue that cycle of doing what I need to do, doing what I want to do, and having the freedom to do it. (laughs) I love that. I know for a lot of people, after they write their first book, they immediately want to write a second book. Many of my clients who have published with me have said that, and I know that's the case for you. Is there anything that you feel like you'll do differently with the second book than you than you did the first time around? I think the I think I, two things I did differently. I I kind of set a deadline for myself because I didn't want it to go on and on forever. So I gave myself like six months to get this book out of my head. That, that was definitely the front. And I think I paid more attention to the process of writing, you know, in terms of, and, and there was certain, it became more symbolic for me this time, whereas the first time it seemed like work, because I wanted to get this thing out as very structured around writing and very disciplined. 
this time I took a lot more joy in writing. Like I call my second book my heart book because it really mm. just came from my heart and I let it, it I let it rule out from my heart. And I think I, mm. I was a lot less afraid this time for my voice to come out and for my voice, my opinions to be heard in terms of how I believe that leaders should lead a team. So I think this, the second book has a lot more of me in it, whereas the first book, Change Your, um, Change Your Die, that was, I refer to that as my head book because it was all the stuff that was in my head about business process improvement. You know, so I think for me the journey has been more, it's been more internal. I feel more empowered with my second book, and I feel that it, that my voice is now being heard. I guess by the fourth book, it will be all be me and no head and just pure heart and maybe <laughs> <some soul. laughs> I do think that's one uh, challenge that authors have is like, especially with a business book, how much are you yourself and how much are you in like a professional voice or, you know, in your case, you're writing for an academic publisher. Do, are you supposed to be talking in some sort of academic publisher voice or, you know, how do you find who you are? And it sounds yeah. like for you the process of sort of finding your voice was a little different for the second book than for the first. Was yeah. that a natural process or did you did you kind of do some work on that to identify how you wanted to sound? I think it was a it was a natural process and it was also a process of um of me you know, one thing I've never done, I've never read my first book, you know. I've never read it once published. Wow. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, that, and, and that tells me something. That tells me that, you know, though I like the work and people like it, that tells me that I didn't fully show up in that book. You know, wow. so one of my challenges to myself is, you know, how do I show up in these books? Because anybody can write a book about anything, but what makes it Maxine Atong's book? what makes Maxine right. Atong's stamp on it, you know. And, and, I, and also, too, there's a notion that I, I really want to be proud of it. And uh, the thing to be proud of is not the word. The thing to be proud of is the me that's in the book. Yeah. So this, so I think that's what has just happened, you know, just realizing and processing what happens with change or die, you know. It's a great reference manual. People use it. People give me good feedback on it. But what makes me not pick it up? Because I guess I'm not really interested in business process improvement as a thing. I'm really interested in what I have to do to change change people in an organization. That's just one of the tools for it. Right. Right. Wow. Well, what is for you if you were, and I'm sure you have been, if you were asked by, you were asked by somebody, hey, how did you finally get your book done? Like, I've always wanted to write a book. How did you actually finish it? What's the advice that you give to people who tell you that, like you, they want to be an author? Okay, so my first thing is um, to decide who your cheerleaders are because the process is going to be long. The process, sometimes you'll be revealed and sometimes the opportunities will come up, which are really distractions. So find some cheerleaders, people who believe in you, believe that you could do it, and who, regardless of anything, will come out in the rain in their pom-poms and shake them for you to encourage you on. The second thing is nobody knows any better about anything than you. You know, so if you decide you want to write a book on your experience, 
just write your book and your experience. Don't listen to anybody saying, maybe you should put this in it, maybe you should put in that in it. No, it's your book. You just take ownership of it and write from where you are. And I think mm. what's really important to me now in my second book is really about writing from your heart. What a reader mm. wants to know is about your story. Sure, you know, you would have done magnificent, magnificent things, but it's not the things we're interested in. We want to know how you did those things. So really, and yeah. I think that's a way of also keeping yourself on track because seeing how that story documents itself and seeing the thoughts that escape you and you're like, I wrote that, you know, and allowing yourself to be vulnerable on the pages of your book and for people to see who you are, I think for me that's a big thing because that's what kept me writing with my second book because every day I showed up, it was shocking to see what I was willing to reveal, you know, what chances I was willing to take. I think that for me makes my second book very special. Well, that is gorgeous advice. You can follow Maxine. It's Maxine Atong, M-A-X-I-N-E, A-T-T-O-N-G dot com, maxinatong.com. She is the author of Change or Die, the Business Process Improvement Manual. And she's got a new book coming out. Do you know the name that you're of your, do you have a title for your next book? Yes, it's called Lead Your Team to Win. Lead Your Team to Win. So look out for that by Maxine Tong. Maxine, thank you so much for being with us today. I loved all your advice, and good luck with the second book. Thanks a lot for having me, Angela, and you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, and we will be back next week at Book Journeys Radio. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.